The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's sermon is a message preached at Zion Primitive Baptist Church by Elder Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church near Ecola, Alabama. The title of the message is How Long? And it's taken from Psalm 74, reminding us that the Lord will not forbear forever. All the wickedness that we see around us, all the trouble that we face in life, will one day be over. Either we will pass from this life through the portal of death, or the Lord will come back before we die and wrap all this up and set every single thing right. Please join us for this wonderful message reminding us about where our hope lies. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Let us pray. 
turn in your Bibles to Psalm 74 and 1. For just a few minutes, we'll go to the Word of God. And I want to talk to you about how long. That's the title of my message is How Long. Psalm 74, let's begin reading in verse 1. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations. That means, Lord, arise and come to our help. Even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary, thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. And now, but now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs. There is no more any prophet. Neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. Oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? The question that was on this writer's mind, which according to the heading here was Asaph, was how long? Lord, how long will you continue to endure the defiling and the blasphemy that's going on with your sanctuary, with your temple, with your, with your city, as it's described here? We have no idea anymore, he says. Our prophets are gone. Nobody can counsel us. Nobody can tell us about how long it will be. Now, the background here, as you read this psalm, is a time... Most likely in the days when Nebuchadnezzar came and wiped out the city of Jerusalem. You can get the very visual picture that the prophet is, uh, the uh, writer here, the psalmist is describing of they're throwing fire into the sanctuary. They're throwing uh, uh, firebrands into the temple to burn it down. If you want a little more insight about that time frame, you can look at 2 Kings 25 and 4. This is where it's finally up for Israel. <laughs> They have disobeyed and they've disobeyed and they've disobeyed and God has been long-suffering until finally, no more. No more patience with God. He's done. And Nebuchadnezzar comes and the generals come to that and the army comes to that land. In 2 Kings 25 and 4, it says, And the city was broken up and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls. I mean, they are tucking tail and running because they know that it's over. You see, the city's about to go completely and be destroyed. It says that they ran by the king's garden. Now the Chaldees were against the city round about. They had nowhere to run. And the king went the way toward the plain. And verse 7 of that same chapter says, They slew the sons of Zedekiah the king before his eyes. They caught Zedekiah, brought him back, took his sons, and killed him, them right before him. And then they put out his eyes. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, King Nebuzaradan, Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon unto Jerusalem, and he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every great man's house burnt he with fire. This is a terrible time in the history of 
your ancestors, which would be the nation of Israel. That you may say, well, you say I come from Europe, right? My folks come from you know the British Isles or whatever. Your spiritual heritage comes from these people right here. This this what happened to them is your own and relates to you because you are descendants of the spiritual kingdom of God. You don't have to be a, an Israelite or a Jew to be a descendant of this. You are a spiritual Israelite, a spiritual Jew. And so their history is your history, you see? And this was a terrible time where the prophet says, How long, Lord, are you going to endure the way that they're blaspheming your name and they're destroying your temple? Of course, you understand this, a part of this, at least to a certain point, was the judgment of God upon his own nation. God raised up his nation and he tore down his nation. And here the prophet is saying, look at what's going on. How long? You ever think about that yourself? <laughs> you know, do you ever ponder and think, Lord, how long until your return? How many more blasphemies will wicked men speak against your name? How many more ugly and terrible criminal even things will happen that, that go on under your jurisdiction? And you think, Lord, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem fair. How long? Well, I can tell you this. We've never felt what this psalmist was feeling because we haven't witnessed the absolute desecration, that just the desolation of God's house like that. We still have the house of God. Praise God. It may be... Larger in certain areas, smaller in other areas. But we've never felt what this psalmist felt. You want to get a little more, you say, well, this is kind of depressing. Well, it can be if you don't keep reading. It can be depressing. But you need to keep reading the whole thing. If you read in Lamentations, the third chapter, and you think about what Jeremiah was witnessing in the Lamentation, he is just mourning and mourning the condition of Israel because it was destroyed, you see? It's a terrible time. And it prompted the psalmist to say, how long? When I look around me and I see the culture in, in not just decline, but in destruction mode, self-destruct mode. When I see where we are as a nation, as a people, as the churches even, I think, how long, Lord? How long? How can the church continue to endure in such an environment? <laughs> I think those things. Lord, am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I preaching what I need to be preaching? <laughs> am I studying what I need to be studying? Am I counseling where I need to counsel? Am I visiting who I need to visit? I just feel that pressure all the time. Or at least when I'm thinking about like I should be <laughs> towards the kingdom of God. I think there's many of God's people that just sort of go through life sort of oblivious to that type of pressure. And I don't think that pressure should just lie on the minister of the gospel. The, the, that type of thought process should be felt by the children of God as the Spirit burdens their hearts on the condition of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's very appropriate. If we leave that to the ministry, well, in many ways you can just say goodbye. <laughs> it's got to be with the people of God. This man right here, as far as we know, I don't think he was a prophet. He was a psalmist, Asaph, and he writes and he's burdened by this. And he's not necessarily you know, a prophet. He may just be an ordinary, like one of us, you know, an ordinary person. Of course, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. And he says, how long? And if you know the historical account there, and I encourage you to read it, you can read it. It's real easy. You can read about that in the end of uh, the Chronicles, the end of the, the Kings, and see just how bad things were. 
And it got completely wiped out. You know, in a sense, God didn't answer that question when He said, how long? And so many decades go by and the nation there, the, the temple there, the, the city of God just lays in ruins. There's nobody to build. There's nobody to collect the people back. And for 70 or so years, that's a long time. That's a lifetime. The Word of God says that it's a lifetime. 70 years is, is 70, 80, 85, 90, 95. That's basically an, an entire lifetime. For 70 years, they went into captivity and lived very well in Babylon. You know, Jeremiah told them, go and build houses. Seek the prosperity of the city where you've been led captive to. You know, be a good citizen of wherever you are. But remember what I said. One of these days you're going back. But you know, whenever they went back, it wasn't everybody that went back. It was about 50,000. About 70 years later, it was about 50,000. You can read about that in the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, the book of Haggai, the book of Zechariah. You can read about when they went back. And it wasn't everybody <laughs> that went back. It doesn't have to be everybody in the sense of, uh, you know, there's just some of God's people, you read the parable of the sower, they just don't feel that burden. They just don't, they don't understand how important it is to follow along and seek the peace of the kingdom of God. But about 50,000 went back and they began to build. When everything looked lost, when it looked like there was no hope for the future, as a matter of fact, you read Lamentations, the third chapter, we don't have time to read it all, but it's a very interesting read because Jer uh, Jeremiah starts out at the lowest of the low. I am the man Basically, that old bluegrass song, I am the man of constant sorrow. That's where they get that line from, by the way. <laughs> Lamentations 3 and 1. He says, I'm the man of constant sorrow. Everywhere I look, there's destruction and, and ashes and burning and starvation. And I'm in this terrible condition. Lord, how long are you going to leave us in this condition? And yet he goes on and he says some of the most beautiful language that you've ever heard. Where we have one of the most beautiful songs, hymns that we've ever had. It leads him to say, great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> you say, how can a guy go from complete destruction with questions on his mind, how long, to lining one of the most beautiful Holy Spirit-inspired lines in the Word of God, great is thy faithfulness. That's what grace and mercy does for you. That's what hope does for you. And so in the days whenever they returned, if you want to look in the book of Haggai, in Haggai, we have the account of where he encourages them to do what they came back from captivity to do. Very briefly, what happens 70 years after this time that we read about in the psalm where everything was destroyed, they go off into captivity. And then 70 years later, you know, the days of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those guys, Esther, Mordecai, and then eventually the king issues a decree to send them back. He's, Cyrus the king says, God has put in my heart. It took a pagan king, God to put in the heart of a pagan king to order them to go back. And the ones that were burdened to go back went. And one of those men that went back was a fellow named Zerubbabel. And another fellow that was named Haggai. There's always also many other names, but among those 50,000, those were two of the names. And Zerubbabel was in charge of the building. And so they go back and they start building. Well, politics come along. Politics gets in the mix. And the building shuts down for 15 years. 
They went back. They dedicated the temple. They laid the foundation. <laughs> By the way, the old folks there, when they laid the foundations, there was a few that had seen the previous temple. And when they laid that foundation, the old folks, in, in all of the, the ongoings that were taking place there where they were praising God, the old folks were crying and said, oh, it's just not like it used to be. <laughs> And the young folks were there going, praise God, we're back. We're fulfilling scripture by what God said. We are the hands and feet of God in a sense because we're doing what God said would happen 70 years later. And the old people, old people said, oh, it's just not going to be like it was. And it says that you could not discern between the cry of the older ones who saw the original temple and the shouts of joy by the younger ones. They were somewhat divided there, weren't they not? You know, they, some of the younger ones probably looked and saw the older ones crying and thinking, oh, they're so happy. And they were sad. <laughs> you see? But God knew everybody's heart that was there. Shortly after that, politics got involved. And everything shut down for 15 years. Until God burdened a fellow named Haggai to begin to preach. And Haggai, if you read Haggai the first chapter, You'll see where Haggai began to preach, and if, if my math is correct, about 23 days after he began to preach, we see that Zerubbabel took his leadership role back up again and began to build again. Now, I've tried to visualize how that went down, and I think this is, because see, they had to go back and rebuild an economy. They had to go back and rebuild the market. They had to go back and rebuild houses. There was nothing there. There were just foxes and lions and different uh, uh, mountain goats and things like that inhabiting this area. And, these, and people that were just the very poorest of the land. They had no economy. They had no way to make it. They had no schools. They had no anything, no industry, nothing. So they had to start from scratch. These were very, very wealthy people that went back and committed themselves to this. You see, they came from Babylon back over here to nothing. That's very admirable, isn't it? But then they quit. <laughs> they stopped. And I could just see Ohegai standing on the street corner that they had built back. And maybe somebody over here, you know, had started a, a hardware so you could get lumber and you could get things to build your house. And he's, he's doing pretty well. You know, he's got a hardware going there. And people are buying lumber and they're building their houses and maybe tiles and brick and other things that they need. But nobody's working on the temple of God because they're too scared of the politics. Ain't this making any sense? <laughs> So they shut down because of the politics. They were, they, were, they were leaning on politics to keep them going. They were leaning on government programs or something along that line to keep them going. So they just quit building God's house. And one day, Haggai walks out there and he says, You're going about building your beautiful houses while the temple of God lays in ruins. Your houses look great. But look at God's temple. And you can picture somebody going to buy some lumber to work on their house that day or some tile, some pretty tile. You know, their wife sent them to go and fix up the kitchen with some pretty tile. And he's carrying his, maybe pushing a wheelbarrow load of tile. And here's Haggai saying, you're going to put that tile in your house and God's house over here is desolate. <laughs> That'd be convicting, wouldn't it? First you'd be like, who is he to tell me what? I mean, who's that guy to tell me what to do? Well, he's the prophet of God to tell you what to do. And the whole reason you're in Babylon, come back from Babylon, is to build the house of God. But you're working on your house and leaving the house of God in desolation because you're scared. Because a king, some king on the throne said, You better not. <laughs> and so he began to preach. 
23 days later, instead of going and getting tile for the kitchen, somebody went and got some tile and some stone and some wood for the house of God. Isn't it great how God keeps things so simple? He said, you, you, you plant a lot and you bring in little. You, you put your money in a, hole, in a bag with holes in it. You, know, you, you think you're prosperous, but you're, you're losing ground, all because you're not doing what God said to do. So just go up to the mountain and cut some lumber and come on down and start building. And you know, somebody there said, you know, that's pretty simple. I'll go home and I'll get my axe and I'll walk up into the mountains and I'll start cutting some timber. And one person did it and then the next person did it and the next person helped him and the next thing you know, hey, what are those people doing over there? They're working on the temple of God. There's only three or four of them. You know, and that's Zerubbabel and he's got a few guys helping him. Well, the next thing you know, others followed along. And 23 days after Haggai began to preach, Brother Mackey, I think in 2002 when I became the pastor at Bethlehem, if I'd had 75 or 100 people come and join the church 23 days after I started preaching, that'd be pretty encouraging, wouldn't it? It, it didn't happen like that. Now Zion kind of happened like that, you know. But it didn't happen that way. That'd be pretty encouraging. 23 days later, can you think back on some time periods in your life when you had great revelation and you had great repentance in your life? I tell you, I can think back and think about times whenever the Lord just slayed me. He just convicted me. And I wanted to go up to the mountains and start cutting some wood. I wanted to start doing something for God, you know, because I owe Him, I owe him beyond everything. <laughs> you see, what He's done for me as a ruined sinner, I owe Him beyond everything. It's indescribable. But we go back and we work on our house. <laughs> we forget about the house of God. 23 days went by. In less than a month, they began to build on the house of God. And if you read the book of Haggai, you can see that, like all of us do, they became discouraged very quickly. Because in Haggai chapter 2, it says, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai. That was less than a month after they began to work. <laughs> Aren't we like that? You know, they started thinking about just how little that foundation, that new foundation was. I know that's what they were, some of them were thinking, and it was infecting some of the others. You know, it's just not like it used to be. There's no way this temple, this little pitiful little temple that we're building here is going to be near as good as the way that it used to be. Oh, for the good old days. Well, if you will recall, the good old days is whenever they got completely wiped out by the chastening hand of God. <laughs> you, you don't want the good old days. We can't go back to the good old days. We had a great time last night at our little uh, bluegrass music thing we did over here. You know, and I thought back to many days past when there were many more people there and there were many more groups there. But I can't go back to that. I can't rewind time and go back. I've got to live in the here and the now. For now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to serve God. Not yesterday and not waiting for tomorrow. Today is the day. That's all we've got. You see? And so, after just a... Three or four weeks, the people are already discouraged again. <laughs> so here comes Haggai once again, and he begins to preach, and he says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, verse 2 of Haggai 2, and the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And he says in verse 3, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? You see, that's what those people were saying the day they laid the foundation of the temple back over in the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah. And some of them were saying, oh, it's just not like it was back in the old days. And some were saying, hallelujah, praise God. Well, apparently that attitude had kind of infected. And he says, who was left among you 
that saw this house in her first glory, the old way, the old days. And how do you see it now? And see, this tells me that God can identify with what we're going through. <laughs> because he says, is it not in your eyes in comparison as of nothing? <laughs> they were going around working on this temple. They finally got back to work. And now somebody's saying, well, it's just not as big as it was. And oh my goodness, you know, it's just not going to be like it was. I've been reading the, the, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia to my girls again. Uh, the two younger ones, they don't remember it as much as the older ones. It's about the third or fourth time we've read through it, and we've been on the silver chair. And there's a character in the silver chair, uh, and, and his name is Puddle Glum. <laughs> and I, he talks like this, you know, nothing ever's ever going to go right again. You know, well, we'll probably get killed, you know, whenever we go around the next corner. The giants are probably going to get us. You know, this, this old house, I think there were some Puddle Glums here. This old house just doesn't look like the one years and years ago. You know, there's just no way that we're going to be able to have to be what we were before. Look how weak we are. Look what we don't have. And they're just down in the mully grubs. And he says, speak to those people. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? It's nothing. <laughs> Think about uh, what the, the people of old might say. You know, I've heard up north in North Alabama that they used to have association meetings where they'd have a tent with preaching going on outside and a tent over here with more preaching going on outside and a house full of people, thousands of people. Oh, for the glory days. And yes, those are glorious days, but we don't have those days for whatever reason. And I think there's many causes of that, but we don't have that to go back to. Maybe, praise God, something like that will return, but we can't pine away in the present and say oh it will never be like it was back then we can't go back then we can't go back and see how it was we can only do what we've got now in front of us that's exactly what he's getting at right here some of you going around saying well it's nothing you know the old church is just nothing today compared to what it used to be it's no different than what they said here the old temple is nothing this new temple is nothing compared to what the old temple used to be who is left among you that saw that yet now be strong O Zerubbabel saith the Lord and be strong O Joshua son of Josedek the high priest and be strong all ye people of the land saith the Lord and work and you hear that you don't have to work for your salvation child of God you don't have to work to put away your sins Christ has accomplished all of that he's successful in that but he calls upon you and upon me to work in the kingdom of God Leave no stone unturned. Feel the pressure of, of the kingdom of God. It's a good pressure. It moves you to do things in the service of God that move these people. He said, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. That's all you need to know. God is with you, people of God. He's with you. Work in the kingdom of God. Lay the foundations of the temple. Lay and work on the kingdom of God. Watch this now. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. He said, I'm the same God that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the same God that parted the Red Sea. I'm here working with you and with you as you work on this temple. So my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Watch this now. You say, well, this was encouraging, was it not? Yeah, but it gets more encouraging. <laughs> you see, there was a lot of encouragement going on for them in this time. By the way, if you read the, the accounts of of Nehemiah and the Council of Ezra and other with this, you'll find that there was a lot of things going on. Even politically, they had been freed up to do what they were. Darius, the king, had sent a letter that said, don't hinder these people. And if you hinder them, the wood from your own house will be taken down and used in the temple. So they actually had the politics behind them at this point. It wasn't against them anymore. And you know what? There's a fellow that showed up here either around this time or shortly after. His name was Ezra. <laughs> And it says that Ezra was a ready scribe and he began to teach them the law of Moses there in this, this area where they had returned to. That was very encouraging, was it not? 
Was it Ezra's coming that was the most encouraging thing for them? Was it the government assistance now that they're getting where they hadn't before? Was it Darius's letter where he said, don't mess with these people, let them work? Or was it this? For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. You understand what God is saying to them? He's saying, you're looking at this house and you're saying it's nothing compared to the old house, the old temple. You're looking at church, maybe say, well, this is nothing compared to the two or three thousand that used to come. Well, we could all say, well, what, we, what anybody's had at pretty much any time in history is nothing compared to the day of Pentecost, right? 20,000 people around that time, 10,000, 5,000, then another five and another three. And next thing you know, there's this gigantic church. Nobody's ever seen anything like that. Oh, we're just nothing, right? The Lord said, you think it's nothing? Well, I'm going to make it something. Because my son is going to come there. And his feet, his precious, glorious, holy, perfect feet are going to walk in the very tiles that you're laying here in this temple. You think you don't have a purpose? You think that there's something that was better in the good old days when I chastened them and wiped them out? As you lay that tile, as you lay those stones, every stone, every little bit of what they did, everything they cleaned, everything they worked on, it, when he told them this, they had in their mind, they were thinking, I'm working for something that's greater to come. I'm laying the foundation for one that will come to the temple one day, and he's the Son of God, and he will walk in this temple, and he will fill this temple with his glory. So child of God, today, you know, we're not laying the physical stones of the temple anymore. But today there's something that Peter described as living stones. You are the living stones. Lively stones that are based upon the stone Christ Jesus. The chief cornerstone, you see. You are a lively stone because He is the living stone. And as we lay foundations and interact with one another as the lively stones of God. In the kingdom of God today, you are laying foundations and relations. And we get weary, don't we? And we say, how long? Lord, how long till your return? How long until all of this is done? Well, I, I, I can't tell you an exact time or an exact place. But I can tell you that the book of Revelation, the last words of Jesus Christ, he said, surely I come quickly. And if you look at the definitions of those various words in that, it, it literally means, yes, I appear on time. <laughs> you know, the day that Jesus showed up in the temple in John, the second chapter, in the book of Malachi, he says he will come suddenly to his temple. The Lord prophesied through Haggai. He said, the desire of nations is going to come and fill this temple that you're working on right now. And whenever the Son of God came there and ran people out, ran the money changers out with a scourge of small cords, they were not expecting that. 
Here's just a man, what looks like just a man going in here and saying to them, get out of here. Don't make my father's house a house. It's a house of prayer. It's not a den of thieves. Boy, he came suddenly, didn't he? And if you think that is suddenly, just wait until he does come in the sky one day. There's a verse over there in the psalm where the psalmist said, Lord, take your hand out of your bosom. You know, like he's resting his hand right here. He's come help us. Take your hand out of your bosom. As if that's all it would take. Just like that. Just like that. Every problem you've got, every issue you face, every bridge you've burned, every situation that you think is impossible, everything will be completely leveled. The playing field will be leveled once again. And we'll all be together with the Lord. Amen. And until then, we sometimes say, how long? <laughs> how long? It was 70 years before they went back and began to build. And then when they went back and built, they lost sight of what they were doing. I don't know when the Lord's going to come back. It might be tomorrow. It might be tonight. And it might be 10,000 years. But I can assure you, He's coming back. <laughs> Surely, he says, I come quickly. The word quickly also means without delay. And John responded and said, even so, Lord, come. There's a favorite a song that I'm, I really favor that's not in our hymn book. It's a contemporary Christian song. And the chorus goes like this. And it's Jesus speaking. Go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while. But goodbye is not the end. You see, when the Lord left those apostles there, He said, go, go tell. Go live your life to demonstrate my love for you. And tell whoever you can about the Son of God. Now listen, as good old Baptists and believers of the truth, it's easy to find somebody who knows the name Jesus. They're everywhere. Sometimes people use the name Jesus in a very ungodly way. It's like everybody, whether they're using it as a, as a cuss word or whether they're calling on him sincerely. Everybody knows the name Jesus. But let me tell you something. Everybody does not know the real Jesus. And that's where you come in. As building in the kingdom of God. Dealing with the lively stones that are the children of God. And every lively stone that you interact with. And every lively child of God that you come across born of the Spirit. Just remember, you're laying foundation in the temple for the return of the Lord. I'll leave you with this sort of humorous line from another song. <laughs> and you can't listen to everything that this guy sings. I don't. <laughs> but Brother Clay Kane sent me a, a, a line from a Tyler Childers song. And he's got some good songs. But you've got to be careful what you listen to. But this is one of the best I've heard. And in the chorus he says, When I reach the glory land, there's Hindus, Jews, and Muslims, and Baptists of all kinds. Catholic girls and Amish boys who've left their plows behind. Up there in the choir, singing side by side, wondering why exactly they've been fussing the whole time. <laughs> That's a pretty good... I believe that guy's speaking from the, in, in terms of being a spiritual child of God. That's old Baptist doctrine right there. We're not here to fuss at the lively stones of God. We're here to love them. And I don't know who all they are, but I want to be very careful how I interact in my life, my, my work life, my church life, my every life, everything, every aspect of my life, because God's calling upon you and me to build in the kingdom of God.
And we don't know how long, but we do know that one day he's coming. Don't you want to be found building on the temple in the kingdom of God when he does return? May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.